Hey, how's it going? I'm Nick, the host of the Echo Academy podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing tools and strategies to make life better. Today's episode is a little different. Since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, I figured it would be nice to publish this episode that wasn't going to come out until the other episodes I had in my queue were published. In this episode, the tables have turned. A former guest of the podcast and dear friend, Aggie Heal, who is a leadership coach and author of the book Generation Panic, decided to interview me so that listeners of this podcast could learn a little more about me, my thoughts on mental health, and the purpose of Echo Academy. I hope you get something out of it. Welcome. I'm Aggie Heal, founder and leadership coach of Westbourne Associates. So just as a bit of background, Nick interviewed me on his podcast, Echo Academy, to discuss dealing with pressure sustainably and managing anxiety linked to the publication of my book, Generation Panic. So after our recording, we met up and as we sat sipping on our orange juice, we were talking about Nick's background and how he got to where he is. He has an incredible story that has led him on an inspirational journey to help others. I didn't know too much about it, but was so interested. I've made an assumption that all his listeners would like to hear about it too, and in his words. So here it goes. The tables have turned, and welcome, <laughs> Nick. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's, uh, it's so interesting to be interviewed. Oh, on on my podcast by by someone <laughs> I interviewed before, so that'll be fun. So, how does it feel to be on the other side of the fence? It's funny because I I mean I I spoke to you earlier about it as well. Like the only time I ever share my story is not so much in a in an interview or a podcast format, but you know either through a mental health talk or a panel. So you you I never really deep dive at one go. So yeah, this will be fun. You know, it'll be interesting to find out what people like to hear about the story itself rather than what I think people want to hear. Definitely. Well, let's start with what made you want to begin Echo Academy? Yeah, uh, that was interesting because, you know, I after going through um, clinical depression for slightly over a decade, you know, I wanted to find a way to, to pay, pay it back to all the people who helped me you know, but it's it's always a funny thing when you reflect after you go through this, uh, after you go through all the pain, the suffering, um, because during that process, I never really realized how many people helped me through it. You know, it's because it happens in 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 short spurts or you know in passing ways, so you don't really take notice. So it was only really after I reflected on it that I realized that oh wow, you know, I guess I had more support than I thought I did which I also believe it's also a good experiment for everyone to run through after they go through like a very difficult time in their life. Because I, it makes me believe that maybe we do get more support than we allow ourselves to believe. Um, but, you know, during that process, because we are always thinking, oh, me, me, my problem, my, you, you forget. Um, so after that reflection, I realized, oh, you know, there's so many people, how do I thank them? 
you know. But at the same time, you know, these people also seem to have their life together. So <laughs> there was not much I can do for them. Um, and so I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I can I can find a way to help people like me, but not so much um overcome you know whatever mental illness that they might have because i do not have the expertise but perhaps think help people think about mental health in a different way in a, in a way that allows them to think about it from the beginning from who they are as human beings first before they start to worry about the bigger things right like the anxiety the depression or or however ex- however severe it becomes, you know, because I think by then, you know, it becomes a problem-solving issue rather than a preventative one. Fascinating. And so was there a a moment where it all kind of hit you to set up Echo Academy and help the next generation almost? (laughs) It's funny because until now, to be very honest, I started this late 2017, but to be very honest with you, I don't really know what Echo Academy actually aims to serve. It's mainly a medium for me to do it, to help, to serve. But I don't really know the life form. And and, and to be honest, you know, I thought in my mind, like, you know, at the end of 2017, like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to find a way to make it a business. I'm, this is going to be my job. But the truth is, I don't really know how to do these things. And I figure it out along the way. And so this has also been a lesson in patience for me, you know, to figure out, like, what's the best way and not to, to, to I mean, because this is the kind of thing where you shouldn't fake it till you make it, <laughs> because it's <laughs> it's people it's people's lives that you aim to 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 change, hopefully for the better. So I, you know, it was a good lesson for me, I think, to really um, uh, take my time with it. But essentially, Echo Academy kind of I knew I wanted to help, but the name came about because in. I was working at a digital marketing agency and what happened was we had to brainstorm for a project that we were working on for a, a name for this app that we were building. And initially that app was really for sports, um, you know, ex-athletes to kind of share their story and kind of impart their wisdom to the next generation. And so we had to brainstorm you know, a bunch of names. There were many names and one of it was Echo Academy. And the moment I heard it, I was like, oh, this resonated with me so much because, you, you know, and I, I'll share with you the, the the meaning I thought of it behind after. But when I when, when that name came up, I was like, oh shit, I hope they don't take this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that they can, so that it goes, uh, it, I, I can use it after. And yeah, long story long. Um, yeah, they didn't. They took something else. And yeah, so I was like, I'll take this. And so I just like registered the domain, even though I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And that's kind of how it really began. I love that. Steering them towards other names so they wouldn't pick Echo Academy. Yeah, they were like Echo Academy. I was like, I think it's too difficult to spell it. I don't think we should <laughs> use it. <laughs> and then once they so, chose something else, I was like, all right, it's mine. <laughs> great. So what does Echo Academy mean to you? Well, Echo Academy, essentially, how I began was I always had the idea that it shouldn't just be my voice even though it will start with me because you know this is kind of my brainchild and the whole idea was I wanted people differing ideas on 
what it means to be mentally well to kind of reverberate through the internet basically in a way that's really accessible hence the term echo you know it just echoes through the internet and so that people can read it and academy essentially just means like a place you can learn from different people Um, but i just really like the word echo and because of the fact that not only does it travel but it comes back and so you get as much as you give and i was like oh i love this and so that's how it kind of started and that's why i, I really wanted that name i love it it perfectly sums up what you're doing as well yeah in a very um elegant way i love yeah, it yeah uh, very very lucky and I, sometimes it makes me wonder hey you know sometimes things work out in your favor and it works out well yeah that sounds like it was almost a surprise to you yeah. things do sometimes work out in your favor <laughs> It does, yeah. So um, just rewinding slightly, do you want to give us a little bit more background as to your story before Echo Academy? Sure. I mean, you know, I, I guess I guess I'm a lot of things, but I think what really led to Echo Academy was really my struggle with clinical depression, you know, that lasted just slightly over a decade. And it was a very interesting time for me because... I suffered in different ways and I have a feeling many people go through any mental health challenges from the mild to the severe will go through it in different ways as well because you know I remember when I first started to feel like something was wrong was when I was 17 and at that time you know the feeling I didn't really have the vocabulary for it so I didn't really know how to express how I felt and that made it diff- difficult because I was always angry I was always sad and I was always not feeling anything uh, you know it just it just oscillates between those emotions and I, you know I never really knew what it meant and I tried to be rational about it thinking oh you know maybe this is the tail end of puberty you know because you know mm-hmm. at the start your 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 emotions are all over the place and maybe now it's just plateauing to where it's supposed to be and so I didn't pay too much attention to it Um, but I think it started to really take its toll, and it's funny because I realize every year, every time I try to explain it, my memory of the suffering goes away, and so I can never really, at least now in recent years, I can never really explain it as well as I used to, in terms of how painful and difficult it was. Um, but I'm sure there are other people all around who are going through it. and sum it up perfectly. But what I can tell you was that the suffering was real, it was very difficult, and I think it only started to become a problem when how I suffered internally um started to manifest externally. Um and I remember at one point, you know, my 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 girlfriend at the time and this was when I was in junior college, so I must have been 18 or 19. Uh, you know during one of the fights she says like i really think you have depression you know you need to see somebody about this and at that point you know i didn't really know what depression was and to be honest i just thought it was an attack right because we were fighting and you know it was just it was just a way to 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 find a reason for the way i was behaving uh, which in hindsight i guess turned out to be true but you know at that time you know you don't want to admit it but it was only after she said that word did the term become more apparent to me and then i started to maybe google it a bit and 
start to feel like, oh, okay, I guess maybe this does explain what I'm going through a little bit more accurately. But still, I didn't pay too much attention to it. And it was only when I went into the army that it started to really manifest really in challenging ways because in the army, you're, for lack of a better word, you're, you're someone's bitch, right? <laughs> and and uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to play to, it's hard to be subordinate at the same time while you're struggling. And, mm. and I think that dichotomy or, or sorry, that, that disconnect really made it so difficult. And that was when it really exacerbated. And then, you know, when I went into university was when it became all too overwhelming. I didn't know how to get help. And then, you know, I tried to, uh, I, I attempted suicide and, you know, since I'm still here, I, you know, I, I mean, I didn't go through with it, of course, and that's why I'm still here. And yeah, I mean, that's when I started to get help and you know, things became better after that. Wow, so powerful. Thank you for sharing, Nick. Um, and was there a moment that you knew where and how to get that help? Yeah, I mean, I never knew how to get that help right until the end, you know, and it's, it's one of my favorite stories to tell because it's, it's, well, I, I guess I'll explain it towards the end, you know, because as I was about to take my life, I remember, uh, you know, I, I, I climbed over the ledge of the, the, the hotel room and I mean, not the hotel room, but the corridor outside the hotel room. And I was ready to jump. And I remember, you know, and, and I got a vibration on, in my pocket. It was my phone. I mean, it was a WhatsApp message, but, you know, like any other phone, you get all these notifications. And I saw an email from my university at that time that said some ways to manage depression. And, you know, it, it was at that time that I realized that I didn't really want to end my life. I just wanted a different life. It was the first time someone had suggested how to get help and not just say, depression you have depression or you have mental health issues you know someone was saying you have this here's how we can help and it, it was a very powerful moment and you know it was at that moment where I, I thought like yeah maybe they can help me and so you know I climbed back over you know I replied to that email just saying you know I really would like help um, and it was funny because um, I remember when I climbed back over and, you know, I just like crouched beside the corridor and I, I remember I started crying so, so, so much. And I was thinking, I hope my friends don't come out of the hotel room. <laughs> I really hope they don't because I don't want to talk. But, you know, but yeah, that's kind of how I, I got the, the help that I needed. But it also showed that how lucky I was, but the truth is you will never be this lucky all the time. And that's why I felt compelled to try and be a voice for others to kind of, yeah. I have goosebumps. Um, <laughs> how, how amazing that that email came through at that exact moment, because yeah. you're right, there's such a difference between having a label but actually, what can you do about it rather than just being kind of pigeonholed and 
left to it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's what a powerful thing to to tell someone. Here's your problem, but here's how you can get over it. And maybe we don't say that enough, you know. It's uh, um, yeah. And and I always think of it as the distinction between telling something, telling someone that this is good or bad, versus telling someone this is a positive versus a negative response. And I think we should we should add that extra layer a little bit more to the judgment we make on others. Yeah. Well, what do you feel that act- that extra layer gives to people? I think a bit more clarity, right? Because, I mean, if I, if I think back to me going ready to kill myself, I was thinking, you know, that's, you know, people can say, you know, suicide is good or bad. You know, this is a, this, I mean, they can judge how they want. But if, if we were to learn or someone were to tell us um, this is a positive or negative response, then I would be able to make that decision on my own where I could be like, okay, suicide is not a positive response to how I'm feeling. You know, it's, so I need to know what is what is positive, you know, and it gives me an opportunity to define success for myself, mm. rather, you know, because if you say this is good or bad, then you you pigeonhole it, right? But if you if you ask me what's a positive outcome of what this might be, even if you know, and I don't say this lightly, even if someone truly believes that death is the way, then there's peace for that person. Because they feel that this is the response they can live with or die with. Absolutely. And I think you also touched upon a really important point of what is success for you? This is not about what your parents, your professor, your friends, anyone else might put on you. This is really about your version of it. Yeah. Exactly. And have you you managed to define that as yet? Or is it an ongoing... Yeah, I suppose it changes a lot. I mean, but the fundamentals kind of remain the same in the sense that, you know, I, you know, I, I want to discover just the human of, you know, absent the, the ambition, the, um, the, the ideas I have of myself, you know, maybe the ego, I don't know, just all the things to remove all those things and understand like my true nature, you know, because it's very difficult, I feel, you know, in this world where you always have to put your best foot forward, but in that way, you also try to lie to yourself so that you can lie better to the others. And through that, you start defining yourself with that lie. And that, then that lie becomes a part of you that you believe that this is who you are. And I find myself falling in that a lot, you know, especially when you go into the working world, especially if you try to sell a story, an idea. And so I think the, the fundamental is, you know, the truth is, I think learning my true nature is probably the most worthy, but I think it's very difficult. Yeah. 
an ongoing quest. Yeah. You're right, because the lie becomes almost like, well, either a straitjacket that you have to confine yourself to, or it becomes something that you genuinely believe, um, mm. for better or for worse. It's it's yes, but I think we all have that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an inherently human thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also a worthwhile endeavor. I mean, how nice and how great would it be to to live a life with that you you can be so comfortable with your true self? You know, I I think that that is probably the best goal anyone can 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 look to achieve for and, and measure yourself against, you know, when, when, when your number is called, I guess. Mm, comfortable with your true self. Yeah. What a good tagline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what have you done to become comfortable with that? Or even as a first step, have an awareness of what that true self is. I'm an I'm a naturally pessimistic or negative person. Um, uh, not negative. I mean, yeah, I'm naturally pessimistic and a skeptical person. Uh, you know, because I always, because I, I, you know, I believe that many of us, myself included, have ingrained so many lies within us to to form who we are. Like I just get skeptical about you know the way we are and the way things are, and so. But I also recognize that that's not a, a healthy way to, to, to go about life. So I think that's always been a good starting point for me to, to recognize that every time I start to get negative or start to be pessimistic about things, to really understand what the contrary to the, the opposite of it is, but still be a bit real. And, and a good example of it is like sometimes I do get frustrated with, you know, you know, yeah, especially for example in the workplace where people put on a front because they know that's important to get ahead. And 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 you know, of course I get skeptical, I get negative about it. But the reality is it's also a game you need to play, <laughs> you know, if you want to to succeed in the environment you want to succeed. And so it's small things like this where I recognize and then I start to appreciate that, you know. You know, just because it isn't true doesn't mean it isn't needed. And so because of that, um, it's that's how I kind of take those baby steps towards awareness that, you know, at the end, you know, it's very hard for us to live our true selves because it's still a game we must play. And so I cannot judge people and judge myself accordingly based on that. You know, I can... yeah. And so I think that's, for me, it's always a good starting point because it's very important for me to not judge people. And that's something I used to do a lot. I mean, I still do time to time, but, you know, it gets better. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a great place to be starting. Yeah, for sure. So can you tell your listeners what happened? So when you came back from from the ledge, Mm. what was then the next steps and how did you feel going through that process? I think the experience, and it took about six years, I think, to really recover from all of it. Um, I think that experience taught me a lot about life in general um, Mm. because, you know, 
I remember when I went to see the psychiatrist um, the first time, you know, I told myself that even if he prescribes me medication, I'm going to decide that there will be a, an end date for it. Like, I will not I will not be on it for the rest of my life. Like, that was my commitment to myself. Um, I wouldn't recommend that to people. Like, if, you, if you're going through something, don't, don't put that burden on. But it was just my way of saying, like, you know, if my problem is psychological, then there's some inner work that I needed to do. The medication may help that, but it shouldn't, I shouldn't be dependent on that. Um, and I think that's true for a, a lot of things we do. You know, the, um, how I, or maybe I'll talk about that later. Maybe I'll talk about the, re the recovery process first because I think that's the question you asked. But um, yeah, so it was, it was a very challenging process because um, medication uh, interfered a lot with with just my day-to-day -day activities, so to speak. You know, there was a little bit of weight gain. Um, there's a little bit of lethargy and, and, and stuff like that that comes with it. But at the same time, you also have to function in your normal life. I mean, I was still in university at that time. And, you know... I realized that for because health was more important, I had to make the conscious decision to sacrifice my grades um, because I just I was tired all the time. I just didn't have the mood. I was not. I couldn't focus well enough, um, and it was a very difficult decision. But it was also it was also one of those decisions where it made me realize that upon reflecting after I overcame depression, like that probably taught me that at the end of the day, there's going to be so many instances like this where I'll have to choose between life and ambition. And it's very important for me to choose life all the time because that's the only thing that when they take it away, it'll be gone forever. And, and so, but when I had to make that decision, it was very tough because, you know, I, at that point, you really think the end of the world, right? You think, oh, bad grades, no job, failure, homeless, you know? It, it just exaggerates its way to, to like the worst possible scenario. Um, but once I started, you know, just focusing on my health and, and, and it started to get better and, you know, yeah, I don't really know how to answer this question, to be honest. It was, it's, it's a lot of my memory about that is clouded. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing about memory as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like how we process our experiences and what we remember and how we put um, meaning to that. Yeah. It was an interesting thing, though, when I, I remember do, um, one year in, I, I went on an exchange to Ecuador and it's so funny because I brought my medication there, but I didn't take it once in those six months. And I didn't take it once. And I came back and I needed to take it. And, and I re always remember this. My psychiatrist said, 
uh, well, number one, you shouldn't have been doing that because you know you need you need to stop it gradually. This is too much of a shock to the body. But he also he also said, but I also hope you realize that how important your environment plays into how you feel. You know, just for the fact that you can go six months and you didn't feel the need to take not even one tablet. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's, and so I think that's, yeah, it's like these kind of pockets of wisdom that I learned along the way that was more valuable than the medication and therapy that I got. Um, and that's why I say my memory is clouded because I don't remember all of the other stuff, but it's just like those pockets of wisdom that you know, are forever ingrained that I find valuable. Yes, and environment is so important. So how did you, because you essentially came back to the same environment, but how did you change your relationship to it, perhaps? I'm making an assumption there, but you're still in the same environment now that you came back to those, those years ago. So what shifted for you? <laughs> People tell me I'm, I'm a really chill person now. But the reality is, it's because of what, what I know, the, the, yeah, what I know the other side of me becomes, right? And I think that's how I deal with the environment that I am. Like this, I mean, for all the merits and benefits of Singapore, it can be really stifling, I would say. You know, I don't think, a, I don't think, a, a normal person should be functioning under so many rules, even if it's for the betterment of society, right? But it is what it is, right? This is, you know, this is the price you pay for the safety and luxury of the place you live in. Um, but, you know, knowing that, okay, so if I were to live in a place that I personally find stifling, it doesn't matter what other people think, um, then I needed to have some liberties of my own, right? And that liberty is, then I, I cannot play the same game that plays into that stifling feeling I get, you know, that need to chase um, success however you, you may define it. Um, and so it's it's all those luxuries and, and it really starts like I know people may not understand it, but sometimes I give really give myself a pat on the back to really tell myself, Nick, you really did really well by giving up your studies when you needed. I mean, when you were recovering, because that's a very difficult thing to do in a society like others. To watch people succeed in the in those metrics and you sit there and think to yourself i could have done the same but i really cannot at this time it's a very difficult thing to do it makes you very insecure i would say um and yeah you you kind of yeah yeah sorry okay take your time and yeah, so now I just, I do that really. I, I just yeah. choose. Um,
just like the the basic needs of what I need rather than too much of the ambition that I want. An ever-going game, as you say, to find that balance. Yeah. And it's amazing that you're even, for me, that feels very powerful that you're able to clearly see what those basic needs are and honor them. Yeah. That takes real strength. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky. Yeah. Oh, deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, was there a moment that you consciously felt like things had changed? Like that things were on the app, this will pass. Well, I can I can think of two, I think. Um the first one was when my psychiatrist wrote a letter to the army, um, you know, saying that, you know, I can't, I shouldn't, he recommends that I shouldn't go back for reservists and stuff like that because it's a very triggering moment for me because of all the things that happened. And it was, and after, and when the army had approved, it was a very powerful moment for me. And that's why I feel very, uh, grateful for the people who have helped me because he was he was one of them you know because he he said like let's fight the system because it's not healthy for you and like he, like he had my back and we had to go through so many processes but eventually the army was the one that folded and and and, and we won really and I think that was a very defining moment because even when even when people believe that you need to be doing this. Like, if you have people in your corner and you fight hard enough, you can just tell, you can tell them a fuck right off, really. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and they, they'll judge you for it. Like, even, even at the last interview, um, you know, some of the things they said, you know, especially from a medical doctor, like, you know, like, you just, you think to yourself, like, how, yes, if, you know, these people don't understand that they don't have to live with the consequences. You know, you just have to decide whether it's good for your institution, for your organization to have one less person or one more person. But then you don't live with the consequences. And not only that, you don't have to be accountable if we blame you. So I. So I think that was a very defining moment as well because, you know, I realized someone had my back, someone just as powerful. Mm. You can say, you know, you don't, you don't get to choose. So that was one. Um, yeah, you, were you going to say something? I was just going to say, I think what, what's so incredible about that story, first of all, he sounds like an amazing man who was in yes. your corner. Yes. But... Second of all, as you, as you touched upon earlier, it can feel very lonely when you're going through anything in any struggle in life, let alone on a mental health perspective. And to have someone who sees you and gets you and is willing to fight for you is probably the most powerful thing that they can do. And 
I don't know, it really does give you strength. Well, I don't know, even just as I hear that story and, and me reflecting on people who have been there for my life, it really does give you almost like ammo or turbocharge to go forward in the game, yeah. as you say, the game. And, and yeah, it's just, it's really beautiful. I can just imagine like I'm picturing the moment after that meeting when it had won in your favor and yeah it's it's yeah it's really beautiful yeah I mean he's I mean he he did a lot for me so I'll always be grateful yeah a wonderful person and do you know what I would have I mean who knows I'm putting words in his mouth but I would have said that you did a lot for him too you know, these things are always two ways and what a very special relationship you could yeah. have had. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the second the second one I think was I think after I got married. And it was funny because I remember because because we did a very simple one i remember um we we went down to like the courthouse in arizona and we're just gonna just have like a very you know just to to legalize it first and then we'll worry about the celebrations later and so i remember we were going down to the courthouse and i was like i think i'm ready for marriage to be honest i mean i know i wanted to be with with julia but at the same time i was like i don't know i don't really know what you know marriage means I, I don't really know anything about this you know this dynamic but I think after we got married like after you know they did you know we signed the documents at the courthouse and they married us I remember feeling like a sense of relief because like I just had someone it was, it was a great feeling and to your point just now as well right it just you always need like a teammate to kind of deal with life. So that those two were like really the great moments for me. The power of people and the power of important people as well. And I can I can see how much they both mean to you. Yeah. Where do you where do you want to go from here, Nick? What would you like? What what should I ask you that I don't know enough to ask? <laughs> That's a tough one. I don't know. <laughs> um. I know. Let's go. Let's go to your future. What are you most excited about? What's upcoming for you? Mm. So so I. I apply for my green card um and you know it's in it's in the application process i think that's what i'm most excited about to finally be in arizona with julia and we kind of start a life but at the same time i think like oh, i think it'll also be interesting because i can also go there with a blank slate if i choose to and kind of you know decide what i want to be you know can literally be from a farmer to a finance man and it were and and it's really mine to choose and 
I guess that's what I'm looking for to actually be in the same place as my wife, but also to just decide again <laughs> what, what, how I choose to spend my day. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry that, that you've been split for all this time. That's the, the worst parts of these pandemics, this pandemic. Um, but also what you touch upon is the power of choice yeah. and how that can be. Yeah. You can be anything you want to be yeah. and you can as well. Yeah. yeah. I think so. And I think that's one of the, um, the great lessons of this whole journey. <laughs> like you can be anything you want to be, but you just have to be a little bit comfortable with the fact that you also the the result of that means you will have to give up things too and then you just find a way to find that equilibrium right uh, you know in that in the seesaw we call life you know the things you choose and the things you have to give away and hopefully it balances out in your favor but i think that's the reality that it's hard because you know you 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 want you want the life you want, but you also want the comfort. <laughs> and you, you very rarely do you get both. Well, is there a resource or something that you do to help you balance that seesaw, to help you find peace with the with where you are on that? Um, I don't. I, I mean, I don't. That's a difficult one because. I in I kind of experiment with different thing, things you know I I know people people recommend meditation and I guess I would too I'm just not very good at it but um <laughs> and, me neither don't worry yeah. <laughs> you're in safe company yeah <laughs> um so I would recommend it under the uh, with the caveat that I probably am not doing it well enough to be able to tell you what the true benefits are but I can tell you, like, if you were to do, if you were, if you were to meditate as badly as I do, at the very least, you give yourself enough quiet space to think for yourself. And I think that's so valuable now because, wow, I tell you, advice and options are so much that you start to, you literally can believe anything you want to believe. And that's not a judgment on anyone but just more like a judgment on the fact that information is just abundant and it's proliferated to the point where it's not sustainable for us as people. And so even if you do, even if you're terrible at meditation, at least you give yourself that time to not be inundated with, with all that information, which in all likeliness, you don't even need. Um, so if I were to bring that to first principles, I would say the most valuable thing I do and probably I would recommend to others is to find quiet time. Really, you don't need more information. You need less. And you also need to know how to unlearn things. And you can only really unlearn when you're quiet because then you realize, oh, if nobody told me I needed to do this, I realize I don't need it. So yeah, quiet time and the ability to unlearn 
it's probably the two most valuable things I've, I've, I've experienced through this. I completely agree. Quiet, quiet time. I mean, two words that are so valuable, but in such deficiencies in the current world that is very noisy and fast and lacking time. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that I'm definitely going to take away from our conversation is quiet time. Yeah. I love that. It's so hard to, 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 to do, but every time I finish it, finish the quiet time, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I don't have the discipline to do this. I learned so much more. I learned so much more. But at the same time, you know, I just don't have that patience and the, yeah. So, you know, it's something I want to do more of, but I, I can, cannot recommend it enough. So how do you persuade yourself to sit down and have the quiet time if you're delaying it or putting it off? Yeah. What what happens for you to actually commit to it? Um, on the weekend, I guess I can only really do it now because I'm away from my wife. But on the weekends, I speak very little. I try to minimize the amount of words I use because I'm, and I try to minimize the amount of input I receive, um, it, which, which actually is a lot easier than one might think uh, because even if it's something as, you know, going to, you know, your coffee shop and, you know, getting a meal. If you're doing it alone, you only need five words to order what you want and you sit quietly and people watch even. But the thoughts are your own. It's not really being interfered by anything. So it's really just allowing yourself more time to be quiet and then appreciating that you're only going to get value within a small pocket of that big uh large amount of time so you give yourself six hours really there's only 20 minutes that you will be they'll be truly valuable to you but it's how powerful that 20 minutes will be i think um other than that i mean of course i really would recommend meditation but again i wouldn't know the first thing about (laughs) doing it effectively so yeah i think that one you really need to learn from someone else yeah I what I what I like though and what I advocate for is um advocate for is if something's not working sometimes it's also the label of it that is quite jarring and actually what you've perfectly exhibited is finding a way that really works for you in a terminology that works for you and probably gives you more than maybe some people who meditate um so yeah I, I I think you've done it perfectly and maybe meditation not for you but quiet time is absolutely on the money yeah it's so valuable yeah I hope more people would appreciate quiet time and take it it's, uh, it's harder nowadays yes yes and um just as we finish up how, well how, firstly how have you felt being on the receiving end <laughs> of of wow it's been very emotional i didn't think i would cry or anything like that but but thank you i mean it's nice to 
to to release some energy um, and and also to 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 share a story that shows how valuable a support system is to your battle with life <laughs> you know mm-hmm. they so powerful to have advocates for you and conversely um how it i hope it people will realize how valuable you can be as an advocate for someone else you know i mean if i could be as valuable as the psychiatrist that i had and uh, my wife to someone else i mean it's it's pretty awesome i would say it's what a great position to be in because then you realize how powerful you truly are as well i think nick without realizing it you've already done that to so many hundreds of people if not thousands um thank you so much for such a honest and raw conversation i have no doubt that people are going to get so much from this and yeah on behalf of everyone else thank you for everything you've done for echo academy and um all the people have co- who have come into contact with that you really are an inspiration and thank you thank you thank you well thanks for for doing this Aggie I really appreciate it I didn't know I needed it but I think I do now <laughs> yeah so I'm glad we had that 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 chat and this came full circle and I'm grateful thank you no problem and just finally um where can your listeners connect with you or what would you like them to do from here um well I guess if you're listening to this you already know how to find me but um I would say you know I mean if you ever want to chat and stuff I guess I'm most active on uh, LinkedIn or or Instagram just search my full name Nicholas Patrick you'll be pretty easy to find me it's just me and some white guy <laughs> so, so, so you should be able to figure out which one is me <laughs> yeah. yeah great well thank you so much nick and um thank you for all on behalf of all your listeners as well thanks aggie i appreciate it no worries